Hi, and welcome to uh, The Mind of a Skeptical Leftist. This is the podcast where I talk to a variety of people, uh, to pr- spread critical thinking, progressive politics, and uh, left-wing philosophy. And I'm trying a little bit different thing with the intro this time. I know I sometimes talk with my hands, and then I bang the mic, and I'm usually just sitting, so all you see is from here up. But I thought I'd try this standing up thing that a lot of other people do. I don't know where they get the mics or what they're using for mics, but this is what I'm using right now. So this is episode uh, uh, or interview number, I think, 38. And this is with a a person who contacted me by the name of Yanis Iqbal. And uh, uh, he is, uh, he's studied a lot about uh, Jair Bolsonaro, uh, president of uh, Brazil. And I think... Uh, his perspective on Jair matches probably most of the people who would be listening to this or watching this uh, video. Um, so I hope that you enjoy this content. I don't know Yanis uh, super well, but I do know that, say, like, Bolsonaro is <laughs> is awful and people who think that uh, he's awful generally have a, a decent take on it. Um He's also written for a number of uh, places uh, with the intent to uh, spread the word about the awful things that Bolsonaro is uh, doing in Brazil. Um, I know the, this was recorded quite a while ago, so I know that uh, some of the uh, content might not be as up to date as it should have been. Uh, I just I had a whole bunch of podcast interviews all at once. And then, of course, that means it takes two weeks for each episode to get it produced and uh, and put published. And I've got you know other things on the go as well. Just recently, I released the episode with uh, Dietrich von Doom, and that episode was uh, quite old at that point. And Yanis's interview came after that, and so then it's like it's got to be two months, maybe even two and a half, three months old at this point. And I know. uh, Bolsonaro has been in and out of the hospital uh, with COVID and what have you, other health issues. So I imagine that this uh, conversation is probably, uh, it doesn't cover a lot of the newer news regarding Bolsonaro. So I hope that's okay. And I guess uh, before I get into the actual, before I send you over to the interview, which I think was uh, really cool. It was a good interview. Uh, Yanis provided me with a lot of sources on his inf- on his articles before uh, I spoke to him, and so I had some background at least to work with. And of course, I've read on Bolsonaro myself. Before I get into that interview, I've got I've got to thank uh, Jamie, my new patron, and I got to thank Justin for increasing his patron pledge. I uh, if you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon.com/skepticalleftist. Or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash skeptical lefty. Besides that, of course, sharing the show around, hitting the notification bell or whatever the fuck thing that you do, uh, that would be great. Uh, share it with people who might enjoy it as well. Uh, I would love to start building a community so that we can start doing something beyond just podcasting. But I think that's everything I've got for you today. Thanks so much for listening and watching. I hope that you enjoyed this uh, interview and uh, see you next time.
All right. Hi, and welcome to The Mind of a Skeptical Leftist, a podcast that I use to spread critical thinking, progressive politics, and left-wing philosophy uh, by talking to a variety of people. And today I'm talking to uh, Yanis Iqbal. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, it's correct. All right. So um, you are, uh, you've uh, published a few articles in various places. Uh, why don't you start off telling us a little bit about you and your work? Uh, I entered the domain of leftist politics when I was um, introduced by my father to various books uh, about Marxist theory. And since then, it has been an it has been an explosive journey exploring the global south in particular and situating socialism within that region. So Brazil is part of that larger project. And this project, uh, my personal project involves studying the third world uh, in its relation to the uh, first world or the global north and uh, examining the internal class structures of these southern countries itself. So Brazil forms a small part of this project. And since it has been experiencing many contradictions in the recent period, I have been studying it um, more thoroughly than other countries and have placed a special focus on this country. Okay. So were you studying Brazil before uh, Jair uh, Bolsonaro became, came to power or was this uh, a more recent event? Like where they, you started looking at them. When Jair Bolsonaro came to power, uh, only then did I start studying Brazil because uh, Brazil came into political focus due to Bolsonaro's eccentric and aggressive behavior. And I was intrigued by the superficial analysis of liberal media. So I tried to examine in more depth the phenomena represented by this person. Yeah, it's it's interesting because even though often like the liberal media will they will frame him as a kind of a, a bad dude. Like he's not doing his job the right way or he's doing a bad job in what, in, you know, the pandemic and they'll, they'll report on the Amazon fire, uh, you know, rainforest selling off that stuff, but they won't like condemn it as uh, they won't condemn it. Really. They'll just report on it. Yes, you're correct. They don't highlight the capitalist nature of what is happening. They are just, content to um, superficially state these facts and leave it to the reader to decide themselves. (laughs) So what I tried was to put all these facts into a political perspective and that political perspective is socialism. Yeah, I mean, the materialism that goes along with socialism, it makes makes sense to apply that filter, right? Yes. So uh, you've got quite a list of things that we could talk about regarding uh, uh, Bolsonaro. Uh, but I want to I want to get your take first on how on how he came to power and the reaction of the Brazilian people. He was initially an obscure parliamentarian and did not um, receive much focus. But things started to change uh, when a imperialist campaign and a propaganda campaign was initiated against Lula and the Workers Party. Uh, which represent the leftist camp in Brazil. So um, 
out of this contradictory reality in which there were a number of forces in which the uh, leftist force was being suppressed uh, lula was imprisoned so that he couldn't stand for elections bolsonaro emerged as an alternative and uh, from that point onwards he foregrounded a neo fascist project which uh, involves neo liberalism and fascism and it has been really disastrous for the brazilian populace i know uh, like in terms of uh, comparison to other leaders like he was really compared to donald trump in a lot of ways uh, he was apparently a fan of donald trump but did he have that same populist messaging that uh, trump had yes um, we can call him a tropical trump as was said by um, many people and this is because he too used a racist rhetoric against the indigenous people in brazil and he too used um, a xenophobic discourse to cover neo liberal policies of austerity and cuts to government budgets so mm. speaking in terms of uh, familiar resemblances the class project and the political project represented by bolsonaro and trump was similar okay yeah it, it's uh i suppose in a lot of ways that's not that different from like the uh kind of centrist democrat uh neoliberal project as well but with you know slightly more racism i suppose <laughs> uh yes uh, centrism you are correct centrism doesn't um garnish itself with such racist statements it uses a discourse of um a really liberal national unity and fake democracy to implement these policies and bolsonaro uh made this discourse more exciting and trump did the same mhm mhm yeah <laughs> yeah people like that uh to see that veneer of uh i guess the veneer gone to some extent which i guess makes sense for the appeal that they had but um okay so when it comes to uh bolsonaro i heard some people making claims that he uh like i guess he, how legitimate is his leadership or his presidency his presidency is not legitimate because we need to look at the events which preceded his uh, election and those events clearly indicate that um the elections took place within certain restrictions imposed by the ruling elite of uh, brazil and also the ruling elite of usa um lula who was uh, um projected to win the elections was imprisoned and mm. uh, this this imprisonment ensured that bolsonaro got elected and we need to remember that the intervention of the us state department in this whole affair was uh, very prominent and um, this entire campaign was centered on an anti corruption discourse as is common in the uh, in past history because uh, anti socialist and anti communist leaders frequently invoke a discourse of anti corruption to malign leftist leaders and this same happened in brazil where i think it was lava jato campaign uh, operation car wash uh, which right. propelled bolsonaro to popularity 
Yeah, like uh, there was a a propaganda campaign against Lula as well as the imprisonment, right? Yes, uh, there was a huge propaganda campaign, and we need to um, understand the fact that Lula's imprisonment was illegal. Um, in August two thousand eighteen, the polls had registered that more than twenty percent, um, uh, no, let's say thirty percent of the nation preferred Lula's Workers Party. and the political parties that were spearheading an anti pt campaign were rapidly declining in terms of their popularity um however according to the clean record act which was ironically created under the workers party administration itself lula would be ineligible for the 2018 elections and this was used to justify his imprisonment and removal from the electoral process and even the united nations human rights committee requested that brazil's government not prevent lula from standing for election in 2018 mm-hmm. until his appeals uh, had been exhausted but none of this had an impact on brazilian politics which was hell bent on putting lula in jail and we know that um, the judge moro um, discussed the case with the lead prosecutor to whom moro gave advice about how to proceed with the case so there was a structural bias in the entire judicial proceedings the operation car wash prosecutors plotted to use the investigation to undermine lula in 2018 election so judiciary and the ruling elite collaborated with each other to prevent lula from winning the election So it, how does Bolsonaro tie into those people that uh arranged it so that Lula couldn't win the election? Okay, um an important person in this entire affair is uh, Judge Moro um okay. who headed the campaign against Lula in November 2018 Moro joined Jair Bolsonaro's government as his minister of justice. thus leaving no doubts about the political nature of the judicial proceedings against lula um so i think that encapsulates and sums up what happened um with okay, the workers yeah. party and how lula or sorry how bolsonaro won the elections <laughs> it's all very corrupt and crooked yes it's open corruption there is no secrecy here so uh i guess What are some of the things like uh, in the list of things you've got to talk about uh, regarding Bolsonaro? You've got the uh, war against the indigenous people. I wonder if uh, you can maybe uh, lay out a little bit of that for us. Um, indigenous people in um, Brazil experience um, a double oppression, um, both of capitalism and both of anti-anti-indigenism. Uh, and Bolsonaro has intensified and, in fact, generated the latter tendency in august 2020 the brazilian supreme court ordered bolsonaro to implement some measures aimed at protecting indigenous people from the raging pandemic um and okay. this uh, ruling was the recognition of the totally disastrous policies of the bolsonaro government indigenous brazilians are dying at a higher rate than the general population and it is estimated that they die of the virus twice as often as the non-indigenous people mm-hmm. and some communities are even on the verge of extermination due to coronavirus and this crisis has been used by bolsonaro to push an agenda of capitalism against the will of the indigenous people consultations with them and environmental impact assessments have been suspended 
in order to force through mega projects relating to agribusiness, infrastructure, dams, and uh, mining. And under his administration, applications to mine on indigenous lands in Amazon have increased by more than 90%. And the number of invasions of indigenous areas have also increased. Uh, so these ecologically fragile areas are being um, informally colonized by the non-indigenous people under Bolsonaro. Mm-hmm. And the mining component of this entire program is extremely important. Um, through the fusion of anti-indigenous rhetoric and pro-mining policy, Bolsonaro has unleashed uh, a informal war against the 900,000 indigenous people living in Brazil. He sent a bill to the Congress uh, which would open Brazilian reserves, Brazilian indigenous reserves to commercial mining and oil and gas exploration. And these projects have been, let's note, legally blocked under the country's 1988 constitution. And Bolsonaro's staunch and brutal opposition to indigenous people has not relented during the pandemic. He vetoed provisions of a law that required the government to provide disinfectants, drinking waters, and a guarantee of hospital beds to indigenous people amid the pandemic. And he also vetoed funding for the states and local governments with emergency plans for indigenous communities. And he denied indigenous people more information on coronavirus, including greater internet access. This indicates the hideous level of brutality which Bolsonaro government is practicing. I wonder how much of that was, or was any of that in the... uh even in the sight lines of the Brazilian government before Bolsonaro? Uh, Before Bolsonaro, the protection of Amazon uh, was emphasized and uh, a policy of social welfare was uh, pursued, which ensured that um, the marginalized groups did not feel left behind. And I agree that Lula wasn't a radical Marxist. He was a social democrat but in the context of brazil it was radical um, what is radical depends upon the material context of a country so what um, lula did was beneficial for the indigenous people but more could have been done in the urban areas regarding indigenous people because mm. uh, the urban indigenous population which constitutes half of the indigenous population uh, serves as a reserve army of labor for capitalism Uh, which means that it uh, functions as an additional pool of workers who depress wages. Um, And this has resulted in high levels of inequalities in the form of informal employment and um, gender pay gap. So the rate of informal employment for indigenous women and men is much higher than non-indigenous women and men. And Mm. the earnings are also less than non-indigenous people. So uh, this could have been eliminated but uh, Lula's government did not pursue robust policies towards this. But I have to say that he did try to create a better climate for indigenous people within Brazil. And given time, he would have tried to institute some measures to protect the urban indigenous population. So there's a, there is a clear contrast between uh, Lula and Bolsonaro in this area um, because Lula actually was interested in helping the indigenous people uh, in their, their, the conditions that they were living in, where Bolsonaro is actively 
making things worse. Correct. And this was because due to the different social projects which both these leaders embody. Right, right. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack within that uh, treatment of indigenous peoples, but there's also a lot of other things. Uh, like, uh, what was uh, Bolsonaro's reaction to the pandemic? Bolsonaro's reaction to the pandemic has been um, cruel and at times comical because he himself has been fined for violating biosafety norms. Uh, (laughs) Yes, the COVID Performance Index, uh, which is compiled by an institute, um, by the Lowy Institute, it ranks 98 countries handling of the COVID-19 outbreak and Brazil performed the worst, occupying the last position. So anti-science attitude and neoliberalism account for the country's dismal pandemic response. Ever since the first case of infection was diagnosed in February of 2020, Bolsonaro made anti-science statements regarding the pandemic. And he fudged data, changing the method of sharing information about the pandemic. So the judiciary had to intervene many a times to tell Bolsonaro that you need to be transparent about the pandemic. Infections in Brazil rose with the prevalence of the P1 variant, which is twice as transmissible as the pre-existing strains of COVID-19. Right. Instead instead of instituting um, strong measures aimed at breaking the chain of infection, Bolsonaro allowed the pandemic to run amok. And while the infection spread like wildfire, Bolsonaro remained in a state of delirium, endlessly ranting against lockdowns and curfews. He even went to the Supreme Court with an injunction to prohibit federal governors and mayors from deciding on lockdowns and curfews. Wow. Uh, and he has perceived the virus as a weapon created by China to gain advantages in the global market and expand communist domination. And this has... Um, resultantly created a strategy of herd immunity. So to ensure that free market economy will keep working without any hassles and internal enemies linked to international communism would also be defeated. (laughs) And this has been interpreted as a war against communism rather than as a public health fight and a campaign against a lethal and um, highly transmissible virus. That's that sounds awfully familiar compared to like some of the rhetoric we hear now, uh, like from uh, right wingers in Canada and the United States, where it's like they still see the virus as uh, this Chinese attack, basically. How many people in Brazil have actually uh, like what are the numbers look like in Brazil for uh, people who have died from the virus and uh, people who have, like, uh, uh, I guess, what are their recovery si- situation like? Are they vaccinating? Um, while I don't have the current statistics about um, vaccination, um, I can say that uh, the vaccination has moved at a slow pace because of the strange policies of the Bolsonaro government, um, which wants other kinds of treatments for the COVID-19 infection. So let me um, narrate to you an instance of this extremely foolish behavior. Um, Minister of Health Pazuelo received warnings at the end of December last year 
that oxygen supply shortages in Amazonas might occur by mid-January. He only acted when this deficiency inevitably led to numerous deaths in the capital city, Manaus. Instead of oxygen, he sent thousands of doses of the anti-malaria drug chloroquine to Manaus, which has no proven efficacy against COVID-19. And the situation in other areas is no better. There are reports of patients being tied up in order to be intubated for want of anesthetics. There are no anesthetics in Brazil right now. Hundreds wow. have died in trolleys, hospital floors, or at homes. So this is the reality, the ground reality of the pandemic in Brazil. Lots of death, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty brutal. That's uh, not not the kind of thing you would want to see from a uh, from a you know a reasonable government. Yes, um, in times of pandemic, we need a reasonable and more importantly, a compassionate and sensitive government, which yeah. understands the needs of the people. But Bolsonaro re- doesn't represent any of these things. He is a cruel and, let's say, heartless person who only wants to strengthen his own personal power and the power of capital. So what is what is this all translating to, like, uh, in the current view of Bolsonaro by the Brazilian people? Um. Bolsonaro's policies are being increasingly uh, resisted by the Brazilian populace and they have been uh, demanding the resignation of Bolsonaro. And this is an extremely important uh, development because it conveys the fact that the left has uh, potential in Brazil. It can regain power. Uh, Bolsonaro's anti-scientism and um, unmitigated neoliberalism have convince the population that what they need is not right-wing fascist government like Bolsonaro. They want to return to the sensitive policies of Lula. And Mm. opinion Mm. polls suggest that Lula is the best placed politician to challenge Bolsonaro in the 2022 elections. And at the same time, Bolsonaro is fast losing his appeal among the electorate. His disapproval rating hit a new high at 54%. And his approval rating has been hovering around 30%. He's no longer concerned with governing. Let's be clear about that. His sole focus is avoiding impeachment and making it to 2022 with at least some chance of making it to the second round of the presidential elections. So uh, we uh, we can kind of say for sure that Bolsonaro is just trying to hold on to power. But I wonder, like, what are some of the things that he does that... uh, demonstrate that he is uh, instigating kind of a, a, a type of fascism? So um, Bolsonaro's policies uh, reflect neo-fascism because um, first of all, they have an anti-indigenous rhetoric, which is a, an ideological component of any fascist uh, program. You need to identify an enemy. And in addition to the indigenous people, there have been many other enemies like communists, leftists, the Workers' Party in particular. And in Brazil, Bolsonaro has carved neo-fascist dominance through what has been labeled as the Bull Bulletin Bible Blog, which is a coalition based on connections with the agribusiness sector, military and police forces, and the evangelical religious right. Um, And agribusiness interests have championed removing environmental restrictions and opening indigenous territory for sale and exploitation. And members of the Bullet Coalition uh, promote deregulation 
in gun sales and fund bolsonaro's campaign with money coming from the arms industry and this also has a cultural function a pro armament stance aims to symbolically convince uh, brazilian men that they are still strong because the economic disempowerment suffered by brazilian men under neoliberalism uh, is being stitched and healed through a hyper masculine code of violence and this is also part of bolsonaro's patriarchal politics mm-hmm. and close connections with armed forces have also allowed bolsonaro to infuse emotive and emotional expressions into the criminal justice system um he has killed people wantonly in name of holding law and order and pursuing justice and this was evident on may 6 of this year when the state police entered the favela uh, of jacarzinho in rio de janeiro and opened fire killing more than 25 people who appeared to surrender even before the guns fired wow. and this 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 appears to have been the deadliest such operation in more than a decade in rio de janeiro and furthers a long standing trend of unnecessary and disproportionate use of force by brazil's police in the poor marginalized and predominantly afro brazilian neighborhoods what's the justification for the uh, the may 6th attack the justification was the general justification was the upholding of law and order and it was also about partially about the drug war um, oh, okay. which is which is being practiced in many countries just see dutarte in philippines who is massacring people in name of this drug war but mm-hmm. more predominant was the emphasis on law and order yeah it, it always comes down to like a like law and order like you say it's it's a general thing right they can just say oh well we uphold law and order but then when it comes to the actual act of killing people they always say oh well they were breaking this law or they were breaking that law and i guess like the drug war like you say it's it's all over the place in many countries and it's a justification for a lot of injustice correct and it's a politics of criminalization where some people are branded as criminals not as humans who need to be reformed right right yeah like <laughs> it's as though people like people who break the law are considered like less human than people who don't right correct so how does how does all this play in like with Lula's acquittal like was that just because it was a clearly unjust arrest or imprisonment Lula's acquittal um i think is a major victory and its impact is monumental um and this happened on march 8 of this year the supreme federal tribunal which is brazil's highest court it struck down all criminal convictions convictions against lula and we know that the uh, imprisonment was unjust and this was publicly acknowledged by the judiciary so this also clear clears things for the brazilian electorate mm-hmm. and this will be uh, significant because it will convey to the brazilian people that bol uh, sorry bolsonaro's election was illegitimate and that is why we are seeing a decline in the support base of bolsonaro so when is the when is the next uh, opportunity for uh, an election or what have you and is there a chance that bolsonaro is going to like try to assassinate lula before this 
Bolsonaro may try anything because he is really desperate to hold on to power and the contradictions of the ruling regime have been intensifying um on 30 march of this year the commanders of the brazilian army navy and air force resigned from their posts in a historic move not seen since 1977 during the country's military dictatorship and this turmoil in the brazilian military is indicative of a general change in the political dynamics of the country after lula was uh, set free um, the return of lula has sent tremors through bolsonaro's political camp dissenting groups within the ranks of the military have been encouraged by the anti bolsonaro sentiment caused by lula's resurgence to resolve their contradictions with the ruling regime and mm-hmm. divisions within the military reflect growing cracks in bolsonaro's fascist coalition efforts have been made to eliminate these internal weaknesses through a military reshuffle aimed at shoring up political support in congress so this high level of desperation can lead to really turbulent and dangerous acts by bolsonaro and it will be more intense than what trump tried to did in usa right right so if if he uh, the election comes along and uh lula wins then you think that bolsonaro is going to try and uh rally his supporters to attempt another to attempt a coup of some sort um bolsonaro bolsonaro has already uh, threatened to disregard the results of the 2022 elections mm. um and in an allusion to the upcoming elections in which lula would be the winner as all current polls predict he said we are going to have problems so that is a veiled threat <laughs> that he is going to do something and there can be uh not a coup because i think there are cracks in the military and the military does not wholeheartedly support bolsonaro there may be some reservoirs some specific reservoirs of support within the military for this rightist camp but the military as a whole doesn't support bolsonaro so i okay. think what he will do is he will be nile of the results of the elections he may try to rally the people and this will result in a stalemate which would have to be resolved um through force possibly yeah i mean hopefully hopefully innocent people aren't hurt but <laughs> it, when people who in power often they they worry they want to fight for their power and often the people who get hurt are their supporters so i don't i don't predict i don't think that it's if he's going to fight against the election results and even if the military isn't on his side it could result in a lot of it could result in some harm being done to people but uh one of the other things that you have here that we could talk about is uh, the growth of patriarchal politics under the Bolsonaro regime. Uh I, I know you mentioned like the uh the attempt to make men feel strong, but how does that re- like how does that result uh in the treatment of women? Like what is what is the state of yeah, feminism I guess in Brazil? Uh the situation of women in Brazil has been horrendous to uh say the least um after the election of bolsonaro there has been a systematic strangulation of feminist politics in 2019 there was a 7.2% increase in femicide and according to many organizations during the covid-19 pandemic domestic violence has increased by more than uh, 430% so wow. brazil's downward spiral into a patriarchal autocracy 
started after the parliamentary coup of 2016. Uh, in this coup, uh, impeachment proceedings were initiated against the democratically elected leftist leader Dilma Rousseff due to an ostensible anti-corruption campaign uh, in which the U.S. was secretly involved. And after mm-hmm. this coup, the PT was overthrown and uh, Michel Temer assumed the presidency of Brazil. And this was an interim presidency and he appointed a cabinet composed only of white men who were responsible for a masculine witch hunt against Rousseff. And Jair Bolsonaro soon succeeded Temer's interim government and flagrantly reversed the historic reforms of the former PT government and installed a crony capitalist regime closely aligned with the national elites and anti-feminist evangelic conservatives. Mm-hmm. Evangelic conservatives have perhaps played the most significant role in constituting a muscular matrix through which mass propagandist tactics, uh, which were clearly practiced during the election campaign of Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro has helped to materialize the misogynist demands of this evangelical bloc by abolishing the Department of Human Rights and replacing it, replacing it with the conservative Department of Family Values. So. <laughs> In a situation of far-right machismo, uh, right. one is immediately uh, reminded of the feminist history of Brazil's leftist era, which, while not perfect, was certainly better than what is happening now. Right, right. Yeah, the uh, uh, the replacement of a human rights council to uh, with family values has a pretty big red flags there. Uh, yes, uh, it legally establishes uh, some cultural codes which oppress women and this is closely related to the evangelical caucus uh, or the um, evangelic bancada evangelica which is a network of evangelical lawmakers with whom bolsonaro consistently colludes to promote the collective aim of uh, removing what they call a dangerous gender politics so <laughs> this misogynistic perspective and view will continue as long as this close relation between evangelists and the ascendance of the right exists in Brazil. I know uh, there was shortly after the election of uh, Bolsonaro, I recall people being concerned that uh, like university professors were going to start being arrested uh, if they spoke out against uh, Bolsonaro. I'm just, I, I just recall that being a concern. I'm not sure. Did that ever come to fruition did that was that a concern that uh, played out while i do not know about the arrest of academics um i can say that there has been uh, an authoritarian witch hunt against um, many different communities um and this is include this has included leftist uh, activists and if this is including leftist activists, activists this will also include academics who are revolutionary in their orientation. So mm. while I do not know concrete examples, I can say that there may have been arrests of such uh, individuals. I mean, it, it's it's a common tactic, right, of authoritarian regimes to uh, arrest everybody that they think is going to be a threat to their maintaining their power. Uh, yes, and I think um, Bolsonaro is borrowing... Uh, these tactics quite intimately from the Modi regime in India. Um, Mm -hmm. And the Modi regime has been extremely repressive. Um, I live in India and I participated in the protests of 2020 against a citizenship law which discriminated and disenfranchised the Muslim population. So the 
mass arrests was daunting um, you will inevitably feel intimidated and this culture of fear is what bolsonaro wants to replicate in brazil right right yeah it's uh <laughs> i guess the power playbook for far right uh dictators is is pretty much the same they they know what works right yes they know what works because um they take their inspiration from previous fascist leaders and um, there is no doubt that uh, all the contemporary neo fascists um follow the doctrines of nazism in whatever obscure or um unrecognizable form it is ideologically similar and in india the connection is more clear but in brazil it is hidden right right yeah it's not uh there <laughs> there's not uh like people actually promoting nazism per se but they're using fascist tactics and attacking indigenous peoples and people who aren't white right so yes correct it's a loose correlation so uh we're coming up on 40ish minutes is there anything you uh you want to cover that we haven't covered no i think we have covered uh, all the topics all right so um where are your articles or is there a i mean you have quite a list here of articles you've you've written uh are you all over the place is there do you have a social media presence yes i am on twitter and on facebook and what is your uh, twitter handle uh it's at yanis ikbal okay no that's easy <laughs> perfect so i'll uh, i'll i'll include links to all your uh articles in the show notes and uh thank you for your time this has been a really informative uh conversation thank you it's it was constructive discussing with you all right that's all folks thanks for watching and or listening uh remember to share this show with your friends and on the social media site that you use the most I want to say thank you again to everyone who supports the show on Patreon. It's really appreciated and it helps me spend more time on this and my other projects when I'm not at work so that I don't have to work as many gig hours. Uh, if you want to contribute, you can do that at patreon.com slash skeptical leftist, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash skeptical lefty. If you can't contribute financially, then a five-star rating and a review on your podcast app of choice or one of the podcast review sites like Podchaser would be great. If you want to find more from me, then you can check out the show notes or check my link tree. That's linktr.ee slash skeptical Corey. You can find all my social media stuff there as well as links to my other shows, which include Skeptarchy, which is a panel show I do with some very smart people, uh, From Many People's Strength, which is a show about Saskatchewan politics, and a new project I'm involved in that's called the Atheist Humanist Leftist Revolutionaries with my friend Damien Marie at Hope. My Twitter is at Skeptical Lefty, and my Facebook page is at, is the mind of a skeptical leftist. Or you can send me a friend request, which is uh, facebook.com slash cjbrainstorm. I accept most friend requests. You can also email me at mindofaskepticalleftist at gmail.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show or know someone I should reach out to, then feel free to let me know. You can book interviews in my available time slots on my Calendly, which you can find on my link tree. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and let's just all try to be kind to other leftists and to all people, and even if we think they're wrong. Uh, the battle that we are fighting is an uphill one and has many obstacles, and we will need all the confidence we can.